you found the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders, where we're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Always doing that here with David and Tim Barton, and you found us on a Friday, which means we're going to jump into some good news here in just a second, but I want to encourage you to visit wallbuilders.com. Great place to make a one-time or monthly contribution, and we really appreciate you coming alongside us like that. It takes fuel in the tank for us to reach as many people as possible, and every time you make one of those donations, it helps us to expand the message, get more of this truth in as many hands as possible so that more folks can can learn that truth, be inspired by it, and, uh, and whatever it is that God's calling them to, you know, we don't expect everybody to go do the exact same thing. It's a little bit different for everyone, in fact. But what we do want to do is get that truth in their hands and then pray that God shows them in their particular community what to do. And that means for you as well. And it may mean a donation. It may mean, you know, becoming a constitution coach. It may mean spreading the good news, it may mean bringing in one of us to, to speak at your church or whatever it might be for you. Uh, just pray that you'll be willing to take some action. Listen to the program, of course, but take action on the things that you're hearing about as well. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator. Thank you so much for being with us today. David Barton, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders, Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, and they have been doing research to get us some good news. All right, fellas, let's jump into some of that good news today. It is, uh, it's the most important day of the week, I think, for keeping people motivated to stay engaged in the culture. They need to hear these victory stories and you're not going to get it from uh, major media. You might get it in social media, depending on your personal echo chamber that you've tapped into on your particular social media feed. But the best place to come get some of the good news is right here on the Wall Builder Show. David, what's our first piece of good news today? Well, it deals with holidays. And holidays, I mean, we celebrate holidays in America. And the whole intent of holidays, going back to the Bible, was so that you would stop and think about what that represents. So, I, you know, as you guys point out, Christmas is my number one holiday. I can do that 365 days a year. Uh, there's a spiritual significance to it, everything else. But if you go back to the Bible, right at the beginning, as God is delivering his people out, out of slavery and, and helping them establish as an independent nation, he starts saying, okay, from here on out, you're going to celebrate this day as a national holiday. So whether it's Passover or the Feast of the Tabernacles or anything else, it ends up with seven major holidays that, that God established. These are the days that I want you to set aside, and I want you to remember what I did. I want you to go back over that history. I want you to teach every single generation what has happened and why this day is special. So holidays had that that background. They were for teaching. They were an instructive time, and we used to do that in America. You know, the 4th of July holiday wasn't just a, a time for summer and, and barbecue and cookouts and baseball games. It was a time when we stopped and said, hey, what does this represent? It represents us becoming independent. It represents the lives that were lost. It represents the leadership of the founding fathers. It represents a document. We would actually go back and study that history. And that used to be Constitution Day as well. And, and so now we, we've kind of you know morphed all these things around. Thanksgiving used to be a really big deal. Uh, we looked at the pilgrims and what they did and why we had a Thanksgiving. It was a time to be grateful to God for the blessings we had. Well, now the left has turned that into what they call the Day of Mourning. It is a holiday for them. But the whole purpose is they see holidays as God saw them. That is a, a, a time for instructing the people. Now, they want to instruct the people exactly the opposite of what happened. So they take these holidays, they hijack them, and they come up with a new name. But it allows them to teach people that, hey, this is the day when we look at how all, all these, these settlers oppressed all the Native Americans and how they stole all their land. They're using it for teaching. It is a teaching time. So giving all of that, and so in Arkansas, the, the governor now is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who had been with Trump as 
as part of the, the press office there and was spokesman for him for so many years. And so what she did was she issued a proclamation that there is now a state holiday in Arkansas. And that state holiday will be celebrated every year on January 22nd. And January 22nd of 1973 is when the Supreme Court issued the Roe v. Wade decision that gave the right to kill unborn children. And so what has happened now is Arkansas said, hey, that's a day we really ought to remember, but not for, for creating abortions. That's a day of mourning. It's like a Holocaust day. It, it, and, and they've called it the Day of Tears. Uh, on January 22nd, we want to stop and mourn and lament the fact that more than 60 million lives have been murdered. They've been extinguished. This is not a good deal. Now, the significance of that is that is a teaching tool. So all over the state of Arkansas, when flags go to half mass and the kid sees that and said, hey, mom, dad, why are the flags at half mass today? The answer is because of abortion. And so it again becomes a teaching tool. And I think that is a really good teaching tool to help people remember things. And that's invariably why we had holidays was to teach the next generation and to teach values and to teach certain things. The left, again, is using that for their purposes. But I think this is a really, really good way to help teach about the atrocity of abortion, the the genocide, the Holocaust of abortion, and what it is. So kudos to Arkansas for that. I'm betting a bunch of other states jump on board with that in their states, particularly all these pro-life states that have passed the the bans on abortion. Uh, I think that's a really, really good idea for what they've done. And kudos to Arkansas, the legislature, for thinking about that. And kudos to Governor Sanders for actually enacting that and making that a state holiday. Well, and a good reminder for us, too, guys, that that after Roe v. Wade, of course, there's a statewide battle all over the country. So these kinds of victories like this uh, help us to to win in as many states as possible. And, of course, there are some states that are worse on abortion now than they were before. Uh, but that's why we have to keep winning hearts and minds and souls. But thank goodness for good governors like that. That's a that's a big turnaround in Arkansas from think about it. Bill Clinton was governor there just a few decades ago. And then we got uh, we, now we got we had another Huckabee, and now we got this Huckabee, and uh, so folks, you can make that happen in your state, but you got to stay involved. I, I think it's worth noting that this is one of the really significant reasons that people should stay involved and understand. As dire as things might look at a given time, we really can turn things around. If you go back to the 1990s, California was Republican and Texas was Democrat, wow. and things have totally right. I mean, totally changed. And it's because on both sides is because people got involved and they worked to change the nature of the thoughts, the beliefs, uh, that the understanding in those states and really of their fellow citizens, of their friends, of their coworkers. And dad, you actually were very involved in, in Texas helping become Republican because you were helping lead the state Republican party at the time in Texas. Uh, you and Susan Weddington were the ones in charge and, you were working very closely with a lot of the churches throughout Texas. Uh, at that time, you had been on a lot of Christian television shows and, and spoken in hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands and thousands of churches at that point. And so you were you were a fairly common name in a lot of the homeschooling Christian community. And so when you got involved in the party, it really inspired and encouraged a lot of Christians to say, hey, we should get involved. And that you were very instrumental and active in helping see Texas become much more conservative when Christians got involved. And so I think it's something that we're seeing some of these states really go positive directions, Rick, as you're alluding to in Arkansas. When it wasn't that long ago that Bill Clinton was the leader in Arkansas, 
this is something that certainly in one generation, now we're talking about a couple decades, but in one generation, things really can change if we will get involved, which is why even if we look at places like California that we're giving a really hard time to often throughout our day and throughout our weeks, but we have so many good friends out there that the, the Jack Hibbs, the Rob McCoys, so many great pastors that are working to turn things around in their state. And these are possible. It is possible to turn these states around even as overwhelming at times as the odds might seem, the unlikeliness of it happening. But we have, we just in the last 20 or 30 years, we have seen the major Republican and the major Democrat leading states in the nation transition from being Republican and Democrat and Democrat to Republican. These changes can happen if people will get involved. Yeah. And, you know, Tim, I was thinking about as you were describing that, take Arkansas, for instance, you know, the population makeup didn't change that much, right? Like with Florida, we saw this massive shift in the last couple, you know, two or three years as as a lot of liberals moved out and a lot of conservatives moved in. That didn't really happen in Arkansas. What, what happened in Arkansas was better education. People started learning about the, you know, started teaching the principles, started teaching what that means. You know, you had guys like Clinton that were able to talk a good game, but then pass really liberal education. But the more the people became educated, the more they wanted somebody that actually reflected their values. So what you're saying is so, so true. And there's many states out there that can be turned. People just don't want to invest an entire generation. But that sometimes that's what it takes. It, it takes time to win these battles long term, especially for big cultural change in an entire state. And I think we can even point to more recent examples like Colorado. It was not that long ago, a decade, Dad. How, how long ago was it that Colorado was a pretty solid, considered a very conservative state? Because there was a lot of mountain and outdoor people, and and they had the basic kind of biblical traditional values. And then when Governor Polis got involved, then Democrats poured so much money into Colorado trying to, Rick, as you're alluding to, re-educate people in a different direction and change that state. Dad, how long ago was that with Colorado? That was really about seven years ago when they were still Republican. Uh, it's coming up on eight years, uh, but at that point in time, so much of the Colorado congressional location was Republican. Uh, the House, the Senate, the governor were Republican. Uh, that was that was a pretty safe red state uh, just a decade ago, and it's been in the last seven or eight years when they've turned, and it's really been the last three or four years when they have become rock-solid blue, and it is very difficult for Republicans to win there now, and that's not because we don't have a lot of Christians and conservatives in Colorado it's just because, as you guys are talking about, they back down to the process. Uh, there, that, that I mean, you get a, the the whole East Slope stuff uh, is so conservative, and so much of the West Slope is conservative. But along the Front Range, along the I twenty five corridor, they're they're pretty crazy, wacky liberal, and that's what's driving that is is just that that I twenty five I seventy kind of corridor, and so much of that state is still conservative and Christian. They're just not as involved as they used to be. All right, guys, we got, well, actually, let's try to get a piece of good news in, Tim, before we go to break. One more piece of good news before our break today. All right, I'm going to try to cover it quickly, even though this story deserves way more attention than probably the abbreviated version I'm going to give it. But there was a judge from Florida who actually ruled in a case that there was a postal worker who was driving big trucks and the postal worker, as a truck driver, had a firearm. And when you work for the post office, it is a federal law. You cannot have a firearm in the post office. So right now, I'm not advising people to take their firearms into the post office. When I go deliver mail uh, for wall builders, when we do those things, I leave my firearm in my truck or at the office or whatever I need to do. I'm not, I'm not trying to fight that constitutional provision yet. However, this individual had a different perspective. 
So he carried his gun with them. Uh, there were uh, postal officials there who tried to arrest them. He ran. This was in 2022. So this becomes a big case. What's quite fascinating about this is the judge, and this is U.S. District Judge Catherine Kimbrell Mizell for the Middle District of Florida. And this is, uh, well, she cited a 2022 Supreme Court ruling that was the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, in the Bruin case. So we kind of know it as the Bruin case. But in the Bruin case, it was identified that people maintain the right to keep and bear arms. So when laws seemingly arbitrarily are passed saying that you can't have a gun, that's actually unconstitutional. What's fascinating about this decision as I'm reading through it, this is a, an article from the Epoch Times, is she identified in this case that there should be, for, for the government to show that you cannot, a postal worker or an individual can't have a firearm at a post office, they need to show that historically, this has been a historic precedent, not a, a recent adaptation of a new standard. And if you go back historically, I, I wasn't even thinking about this initially reading the article, but they point out, go back historically. Who, who was delivering mail? Well, you can look at things like maybe the Pony Express. Did, did people delivering mail back then have guns? Yeah. If, if you were delivering mail via the stagecoach, did you have somebody riding shotgun? Yes. And what did it mean to ride shotgun? It meant that you're sitting on top of the stage with a shotgun protecting the mail. And it goes through pointing out that, you know, actually the history and tradition of the post office was that the people delivering the mail always had guns, even when it went to the railroad. You 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 had your express agents on the railroad and they had guns protecting them, protecting themselves and protecting the mail. And so the judge actually rules in favor of this employee identifying that it was incorrect to prohibit him from being able to have a gun. So that this is far from being decided. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be appeals. But guys, this is this is quite fascinating when it appears like the first chink in the armor of saying that you cannot have a gun anywhere near anything government-oriented or federal property. For the judge to say that we should consider the historic precedent, that is so encouraging, right? Like music to my ears, so to speak, for a judge to say, let's consider history in the face of this. And again, as as the wall builders individuals that we are trying to restore the religious, the moral, the constitutional heritage, as we look to history, to hear a judge saying we should look to history to find the proper interpretation of this, that is so encouraging. And that, of course, Tim, you know, and we talk about this a lot, the difference between looking at history and the Constitution itself, but of course the historical precedent, instead of just what some other judge said last month or two months ago or two years ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago, instead of just what some one judge says, what's that historical precedent? Just so good to see more and more of that happen. And this one wasn't even Supreme Court, right? This was a, this was a district judge or a court of appeals. Where was this one? Yeah, this was Florida, and this was a U.S. district judge. District uh, district judge. Okay, great. And and like you said, that actually said, hey, wait, wait a minute, just because it's a post office doesn't mean you give up your constitutional rights. So really interesting. Good stuff here, David. Yeah, let me jump in and add some more history that gives even more good news for what I hope is the trajectory that Tim's talking about. I'm going to go back to 1990 because that's the first time I got involved in a case of the U.S. Supreme Court. And so that case came down, Westside versus Mergens, et cetera. And at that point in time, we were dealing with religious liberties and arguing for religious liberties in, in public places. And one of the things that, that, that happened was we said, guys, the First Amendment guarantees you a free exercise of religion. 
And it doesn't, you don't lose that for exercise of religion when you walk into a government building, it, it, when you walk into a, a state capitol, or when you walk into the U.S. Congress, or when you walk into a government school. You don't lose those constitutional rights just because you happen to be on government property. And we argued that for years and years and years. And now the Supreme Court has come over to that and said, no, schools can't stop the free exercise of religion, state capitals. And so we're seeing all this change in the last three to four to five years where the the First Amendment is actually now being applied everywhere. You have the right to, to express your faith, express your religious beliefs and have the rights of conscience in all these areas. And I think that that's a good foundation and a good model for what may happen with the Second Amendment. Uh, why is it you can have a Second Amendment unless you're in a government city? That, that makes no sense. The Constitution either applies to all aspects of life or it applies to no aspects. You can't pick and choose. And so I, I think even, Tim, what you're talking about there, that may be the first of what becomes kind of a wave that they follow the First Amendment practice of, hey, we just did the First Amendment Second Amendment's going to be the same. Who knows? But again, that's some history that I think would really play into that. And maybe we're going to see a whole lot more decisions like what we see out of Florida in that federal court there that say, hey, you don't lose the right, your constitutional rights, just because you're a federal employee or a state employee or a school employee or anything else. All right, fellas, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We've got more good news for you when we return. You're listening to The Wobbler Show. Hi friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. We're back here on the Wobbler Show. It's Good News Friday. Next piece of good news coming from David. And uh, and guys, I, I actually, I, before you give us another piece of good news, David, I got to ask you guys, do you think that God gives us, like, I, I'm just feeling like we got good news coming out of the court over here with these kind of cases. Then we get the, then we get the two-tier justice system that's happening right now. You got all this bad stuff happening. But then you see victories at the U.S. Supreme Court. And I guess what I'm saying is, does God do that on purpose, maybe, where we just don't have everything go right all at once, so then we get lazy, or everything go wrong all at once, so that then we just, like, give up? Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, is there a parallel to that with the children of Israel in, or in, in the Old Testament, where they just don't, they've never had it perfect or all bad? There's always some good, some bad. I would say the answer to that is what God himself told the people when they went into Israel. They went into the, to the promised land. They, they've been out in the wilderness. Now they're going in, and Joshua is leading them in. It's a young generation coming in, and Moses says, hey, guys, I just need to remind you of what God is saying here. And so the book of Deuteronomy is really about a six-week history lesson that Moses gives on the mountain, and he says, God's not going to let me go in. He's letting the younger generation go in, but you need to know all the things that we learned in those 40 years where we really goofed it up. 
And so he gives it, Book of Deuteronomy is just kind of that history lesson, the old man telling the younger guys. And there are two significant passages I think are really, really important. And one of them is Exodus 23, verses 29 and 30, and the other is Deuteronomy 7, 22. And God tells the, the people going, he says, look, guys, I am not going to give this to you all at once. I'll give it to you only little by little. If you get it all at once, you won't be able to handle it. And so God told them, I'm going to give you the land, but you don't get it all at once. And so they had to fight for a number of years to finally take possession of the land that God had promised them. And it is a battle all the way. Just because God promised something doesn't mean it's going to come to pass without a big fight. And they had plenty of big fights, the, you know, whether it's the walls around Jericho or everything else. Just because God promised it doesn't mean that it's going to come in our laps without work. The Bible is really clear that it's hard work that brings profit, Proverbs 14, 23. You're going to have to work your tail off to get this stuff done. You're going to have losses along the way as they did the battle of AI. And when they had the loss of the battle of AI in Joshua 7, after God had promised them they're going to win, they're going, hey, what happened here? I thought we were going to win all this. There's a lot of setbacks, and, and that's just part of, of taking possession of God's promises. Well, and, and you know, one of the things I, I think is a great uh, connection for us too, as individuals listening to this, recognizing that it, God strategically said, I can't give it all to you at once because you, you wouldn't be able to handle it all at once. We're going to have to make some progress little by little. I'm going to give it before you. What's fascinating though, Dad, I mean, you're talking about the Joshua 6 and 7, kind of in that time frame with one of your examples, one of the verses to look at. If you afford a Joshua 14, Joshua 14, this is when uh, Caleb asks for the inheritance. Uh, you know, people are, are, are being given inheritance and it's so great. Caleb at this point, he, he was one of the original spies that go and spy out the land uh, from the book of Numbers. And he and Joshua were the only two that came back and gave the positive report. So they're the only two of those leaders that actually make it to the promised land. Caleb goes in. God tells him, we're going to give you little by little. You go ahead. Caleb goes to Joshua. And I think it's it's 14. I think it's around verse 12 where Caleb tells Joshua, hey, there's a, a mountain out here. See that mountain over there? He says, I want that mountain for my inheritance. Now, why would he pick that mountain? He explained that there were giants, the descendants of giants that were living there. And it may be there's some giants still there. He says, I want to go and see if there are giants there because I want to fight and conquer them. What is so interesting is that Caleb, at this point, right, a much older man, because he had to go through the 40 years in the wilderness and all that happened, as a much older guy, he is asking for more battles. And I think one of the mistakes at times we can make is we are so interested in not having battles in the sense of we, we don't want drama. For so many people, we, we just want peace. And in fact, for many conservatives, right? We're like, government, just leave us alone. We just want peace. This is ridiculous. And yet I think the mentality from Caleb shows the mentality that, that God gave victory to, that this guy was looking for the enemy to get out of the way for what God was going to do. And I think sometimes we we are hesitant to get involved because we don't want drama. We don't want a battle. And I think the reality is that for for many of us, we have to be willing to roll up our sleeves and say, okay, where where is the battle? What is the issue? Is it my kids in school? And, and the fact that this school teacher is confused about how many genders there are and what bathroom we're going to use. And okay, what's what's the battle? Let me roll up my sleeves and let me engage in what needs to be done. And I think we really need to go back to that attitude that Joshua had where he's not asking for peace in his retirement. He's asking for 
something else that he can conquer, a difference that he can make, and enemies that he can target to get out of the way in the opposition of what God wants to do. I think that attitude from Caleb is a very important attitude for us to embrace today. Well, I sort of derailed y'all from the uh, another piece of good news, but I think all of that is good news because it, it does encourage us to know that, that we can take them out and that there are other people doing the same thing. But David, you want to try to squeeze in one more piece of good news before we run out of time today? Yeah. The piece of good news goes back to the piece we started with where that Arkansas has declared uh, a holiday, a state holiday, to remember all of, about abortion and how bad it was and what happened. Well, interestingly, not surprisingly perhaps, uh, when you look at uh, the the rankings by pro-life groups, uh, Americans United for Life, one of the big national groups, they rank Arkansas as the number one most pro-life state in the nation. They come out with this every year. They, they rank all 50 states. And so Arkansas is number one. Louisiana is number two. Mississippi is number three. Uh, there were a total of 59 new pro-life laws passed last year. And, and going to something we talked about earlier in the program, how Tim was mentioning how the, in Texas and California really kind of reversed. Texas used to be Democrat. Now they're, they're Republican and California's the other way. Texas has passed 57 pro-life laws since Roe v. Wade, and yet Texas is number 17 on the pro-life list. So it's amazing to see all these other states starting to move up, moving in the right direction. Uh, there's this great list, Americans United for Life. You can go to the, the website. You can type in your state, see what laws have been passed, see where your state ranks. And that is one of those battles you can engage in. As Tim was talking about Caleb, you know, Caleb saying, hey, give me a good battle to fight. I want a really good enemy to take down. This is something everybody can get involved with is helping move pro-life laws forward in your state. And AUL has a really good resource for that. All right, we're out of time, folks. David and Tim, thank you so much for the good news today. We'll have more good news for you next week. Be sure and tune in then, but also Monday through Thursday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, typically good interview for you. Somebody out there in the culture making a difference. And then Thursdays, of course, our Foundation of Freedom Thursdays. That's your chance to send in questions. You can send those to radio at wallbuilders.com. But always on Friday, well, almost always. I shouldn't say that because sometimes we have special programming and either we bring you a Constitution class excerpt or maybe a pro-family legislators conference speech that was really good that we want you to hear but usually on fridays it's going to be a good news friday and so you can go back and get more of that good news at our website and just look for the friday programs it's uh it's wallbuilders.com by the way that's the place you can make a donation or you can go get some good materials to educate yourself and your family and folks in your community with check it out today at wallbuilders.com thanks so much for listening to the wallbuilder show 